Welcome to Atmospheric Tales, a podcast that amplifies stories and experiences related to air pollution and climate change from around the world. I'm your host Shahzad Ghani and welcome to another episode of Atmospheric Tales. Our guest today is an associate professor at sub-campus Dipalpur, Okada University of Agriculture, Faisalabad, Pakistan. His major research interests are exploitation of genetic variability of agronomic crops against abiotic stresses, particularly nutrient deficiency stress. In addition, he is currently working on synthesis and testing of enhanced efficiency fertilizers. He got his PhD in soil fertility and plant nutrition from University of Agriculture, Faisalabad in 2006. Later on, he did his postdoctoral research from School of Plant Biology at University of Western Australia. He is the project lead partner from Pakistan on an international project, South Asia Nitrogen Hub. I am excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Tariq Aziz. Our interviewer today is Dr. Soumya Singh, who is a postdoctoral researcher at the University of California, Berkeley in the USA. She works on understanding the sources and processes that drive rural and urban air pollution in India. She is particularly interested in understanding the links between agriculture and air pollution. She holds a PhD in Environmental Sciences from the Jawaharlal Nehru University in New Delhi, where she studied atmospheric abundance and transformation of gaseous reactive nitrogen. She is a former postdoctoral researcher of the University of Toronto in Canada, where she studied the atmospheric surface exchange of reactive nitrogen, mainly ammonia, in agricultural fields to understand the sources and sinks of ammonia after fertilizer applications. She is currently trying to improve the air pollution measurement infrastructure in rural urban regions in South Asia using low-cost sensors. Welcome to the show, Tariq and Soumya. Thank you, Shahzad, for having me on the show and for the generous introduction and also thinking about the reactive nitrogen in your atmospheric tales podcast welcome professor tariq aziz and thank you for doing this episode thank you shahzad and somia for inviting me on this podcast it's a very interesting podcast thank you very much so reactive nitrogen is considered as double as sword at one hand this element is a key component for food production and energy production but also too much of nitrogen just like any other thing have bad impacts on our air water soil or in general our surrounding and ecosystem human activities have altered the global nitrogen cycle even more than the global carbon cycle we are here to discuss and learn from your work related to nitrogen starting with very basic question for our broad audience why care about nitrogen nitrogen is one of the primary nutrient critical for survival of all living organisms as you have said in your introduction nitrogen is a structural component of various biomolecules like dna rna chlorophyll proteins thus we can say that it is a base for life and food production although nitrogen is very abundant in the atmosphere as 78% of our atmosphere contains nitrogen it is largely inaccessible in this form to meet organisms making nitrogen a scarce resource and often limiting primary productivity in many ecosystems so previously before the industrial area the major source of nitrogen to fields was only organic matter or biological nitrogen fixation however with the invention of haber boss process in early 90s the synthesis of ammonia was started and it was the turning point so to produce more food humans have altered the nitrogen cycle resulting in a significant increase of reactive nitrogen in the environment on a positive side 
approximately 40% of the world's population is fed by crops sustained by human-induced formation of reactive nitrogen. So it is one reason to care about nitrogen, but the use of nitrogen fertilizers has increased from less than 20 million tons in 1960 to more than 100 million tons in 2020. So this is actually the loading of reactive nitrogen to the environment as nitrogen use efficiency is seriously low. So excess and inefficient use of nitrogen has resulted in nitrogen pollution, which has already crossed planetary boundaries. So the surplus nitrogen from agricultural fields and nitrogen emissions from burning of fossil fuels and traffic and energy production, it causes serious impacts on soil, water, air quality, and it also causes the climate change and loss in biodiversity. In addition to economic loss to the farmers, so in the form of nitrous oxide, a greenhouse gas, nitrogen also contributes to global warming and stratospheric ozone depletion. So proper assessing and managing nitrogen sustainability is very imperative for achieving the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals targeted for 2030. So we need to care about nitrogen. So you almost explained the major human activities which have altered the nitrogen biogeochemical cycles like fertilizer applications, also the biological nitrogen fixations and how increasing use of fossil fuel have changed that nitrogen cycle. So what are the major reactive nitrogen species humans have created so far which are concerned now for cascading environmental impacts? There are actually now two questions. First is the major human activities which altered the nitrogen biogeochemical cycles. And the second one is what are the reactive nitrogen species? So the nitrogen cycle is a process of fixing the atmospheric nitrogen and movement of nitrogen in various forms throughout the atmosphere, in the soil, water, ecosystem. And forms of reactive nitrogen which are specially relevant to the environment or biogeochemical cycle between air, soil, water and organisms are nitrogen oxides mainly nitric oxide and nitrogen dioxide, and generally we term them as NOx. The second important is ammonia, ammonium, nitrous oxide, and the nitrates. These compounds are in a dynamic equilibrium depending upon the concentration and various environmental factors. So now coming to the human activities which are responsible to the nitrogen pollution. So over the past century, if we say the amount of nitrogen from the human activities has exceeds natural fixation, resulting in a more than doubled global cyclic. So as nitrogen is a major factor of crop production, hence the use of nitrogenous fertilizers has increased from less than 20 million to more than 100 million to fulfill the demands of food and energy. So the major human activity which has altered the nitrogen biogeochemical cycle is use of synthetic nitrogen fertilizer in the crop production. The other major source include combustion of fossil fuels, and the cultivation of various nitrogen-fixing crops. These are leguminous crops. About 250 million hectares of leguminous crops currently cultivated worldwide. These crops increase nitrogen fixation over pre-industrial levels by about 40 teragrams of nitrogen per year. So ammonia synthesis is known to be contributing about 110 million ton of nitrogen per year globally. And out of this, 80 million tons of nitrogen is incorporated into synthetic nitrogen fertilizers. And rest is consumed by the chemical industries and may be lost during processing and transportation. The third contributor towards the nitrogen is high temperature combustion, burning of forests, fuel wood, and grasslands, which emit more than 40 diagrams of nitrogen per year 
and very important draining of the wetlands, which sets the stage of oxidation of soil organic matter that could mobilize about 10 teragrams of nitrogen per year and land clearing for our crops. So which could mobilize 20 teragrams per year from the soils. So if we say the South Asia, the total fuel consumption in the steel sector tripled from 2,491 picojoule in 1990 to 8,257, showing a growth of 231%. So total N2O emission in South Asia from fuel combustion has increased tremendously. Likewise, with the human population and the food demand, the number of domestic animals have been increased. And roughly the number has been tripled. So this relative increase in number of domestic animals reflects an increase in consumption of animal protein per capita. And in rich countries, per capita animal protein consumption steadily increased throughout the last century as diets changes when income rises. These are the dietary patterns. And animal production system is less efficient when compared to crop production system. And the large share of ammonia, nitrous oxide emission into the atmosphere is from animal production system. And source of nitrogen emissions from animal production system is urine and dung excreted by these animals. And also the wastewater generation as the urbanization has increased, the population has increased, the waste generation has been increased tremendously. And the nitrogen from waste treatment plants or the untreated waste water has increased significantly. The total production of wastewater in the globe is about 359 billion meter cube per year. And South Asia, it is about 34 billion meter cube. This is a huge quantity. So these are the major human-based activities which altered the nitrogen cycle. So you already covered part of the excess nitrogen consequences on air, water, soil, vegetation, animals. Despite of these multiple impacts of nitrogen on a different compartment of biosphere, which we commonly call as nitrogen cascade in nitrogen research world, the impact of nitrogen on almost every part of biosphere we see. The research and awareness about nitrogen have not reached the level of other contaminants and pollutants such as particulate matters. What could be the reason for nitrogen being ignored for such a long time? So, Samir, technically, I think I could not be much confident of the clear reason why nitrogen was being ignored for a long time, particularly for air pollution. But if we see the air pollution impacts of health, environment and economy and pollutants coming from multiple sources. So, the pollution caused by nitrogen is being overlooked as governments continue to focus simply on carbon emissions. When there is a debate on climate change or pollution, the first word comes into mind is the carbon. So massive alteration of the nitrogen cycle in the 20th century when the prime focus was only to address food security. So the attention was not on the pollution side. It has already affected the climate, food security, energy security, human and ecosystem health. So in past, scientific community has been assessing the long-term consequences of reactive nitrogen species and many aspects like economic impacts, though these are yet to be addressed. But the human impact on nitrogen cycle has so far been largely missed in international environmental assessments. The need for an international organization to highlight the scientific and the policy aspects of reactive nitrogen was first felt in 1998. Before this, it's really missing. So during the first International Nitrogen Conference held in Netherlands, and the idea was crystallized in 2001, very recently, during the second International Nitrogen Conference held in the United States. So later on, nitrogen gained attention of the scientists now, and recently various international nitrogen initiatives have been taken to reduce nitrogen pollution. Still, if we explore the actions on sustainable development goals, we miss nitrogen. 
There is no action on the nitrogen. However, if we think nitrogen is linked to all of sustainable development goals, but the actions, there is missing of nitrogen. Up to now, USA, Europe, India, and Pakistan have come forward with a published comprehensive assessments of environmental impacts of nitrogen so far. The other reason for this delayed reaction of scientific community may be the reactivity of nitrogen cascade that changes its form in the air, water, and the soil. That is, NO2 can create ground-level ozone, then change into nitric acid, enter the soil, leach into the groundwater, causing eutrophication. So therefore, changing nature of the chemical makes it difficult to track. Similarly, the agricultural supply chain is also a leaky pipe and the reactive nitrogen from these sources is subsequently lost and these sources correspond approximately to the nitrogen losses which are interlinked and hard to track at every stage of production. So one reason may be this one, the nature of nitrogen processes, nitrogen transformations. The other reason may be its direct role in food productivity and much of the research was targeted in the past to improve its use efficiency in agriculture rather to study its impact on environment and air quality. Now the scientists have taken nitrogen pollution seriously and various international groups are working towards sustainable nitrogen management like uh, INMS and uh, SANH. Global nitrogen assessment will be available in 2023. That's great to know that we have started focusing on reactive nitrogen cycle as well after giving much more importance to carbon cycle and then other pollutant. And now we have realized the importance of understanding the nitrogen cycle. So as you are also leading the nitrogen project from Pakistan, I would like to ask a few questions in context to South Asia. As we know, air pollution is a major concern in South Asia. What often get missed, however, is that nitrogen pollution plays a major role in air pollution crisis. Can you tell us about nitrogen pollution in the South Asia and its major source and drivers? Very interesting question, Samia. So, as it is very clear that uh, with an increase in demand for energy, motorization, and industrial and agricultural products, air pollution from anthropogenic emissions is becoming a serious problem in South Asia. And often missed is how nitrogen pollution plays a major role in the air pollution. So, first I will briefly explain how nitrogen is linked with the air pollution, and then I will discuss some nitrogen pollution in South Asia and uh, the various sources or drivers. So the chemistry of nitrogen in the atmosphere is very complex. Reaction of NOx contribute to secondary particulates, and these are important contributors to the formation of smoke and the ground-level ozone, which are very common in uh, Pakistan, in the city of Lahore or Karachi, and uh, in India, it's very common in Delhi or maybe in Bombay. So the high concentration of NOx, which are common in urban areas with their high car populations, because these are generally emitted through fuel combustion in the transport, they can produce low-lying ozone as well, which in turn cause or worsen asthma, cough, reactive airway disease, respiratory tract inflammation, and chronic respiratory diseases. So high level of NOx can also worsen viral infections such as the common cold. Once in the atmosphere, other nitrogen gases such as the NOx or ammonia can also generate particulates that are small, enough to penetrate deep into the lungs, contributing to cardiovascular diseases, respiratory diseases, asthma, reduced lung function, and uh, overall mortality. And in addition, nitrogen dioxide plays a role in the formation of photochemical smoke, a reddish-brown haze that often is seen in many urban areas, and that is created by sunlight-promoted reactions in the lower atmosphere. 
And further, the NOx and other pollutants react in the air to form compounds, which is this nitric acid, that contribute to acid deposition, which can damage forests and cause lakes and streams to the acidify. So this is how nitrogen is related to air pollution. Coming to the South Asia, it is one of the most populous and fast-growing region in the world. With less than 5% of world land mass, 14% of global arable land, and 2.73% of the world's forest area and 4% of the world's coastline. It supports over 25% of the world's population, or over 45% of the Asia's population. So huge population pressure on the ecosystem. South Asia is one of the global hotspots for reactive nitrogen pollution in that NOx, dinitrogen, gas, and ammonia are causing air pollution and nitrates are causing water pollution. The agriculture and livestock are the major contributors to ammonia and dinitrogen gas pollution in the years and sewage is the fast growing as a major contributor. So nitrogen oxides, NOx emissions from South Asia makes up a major proportion of the global emissions. In all of the South Asian countries, NOx emissions have been rising rapidly, approximately doubling since 2000, with a 107% increase observed in 2015 as compared to 2000. So in just 15 years, the NOx production or NOx emission has increased more than 100%. The electricity and heat production, road transport, manufacturing industries and construction are the largest drivers of the NOx pollution in the South Asia. And coming to the countries, India as the major contributor to NOx emission in the region, but if we say on the per capita basis, Maldives, Bhutan, and Sri Lanka show higher figures. The greatest relative increase in NOx emissions were observed in Afghanistan, Bangladesh, and Maldives. And if we look on the nitrous oxide emissions from South Asia, it also makes up the major proportion of the global emissions. About 36% increase in nitrous oxide emissions was observed in the whole South Asia region during 15 years from 2000 to 2015. And again, the India being the main country in the South Asia was the major contributor to the nitrous oxide emissions in the region. But as with the NOx on a per capita basis, if you look, Nepal, Pakistan and Bhutan show higher figures as well. The main estimated source of nitrous oxide emission in South Asia are directly from managed soils, means agriculture, indirect emissions from managed soils and indirect emissions from the atmospheric deposition of nitrogen in the form of NOx or uh, ammonia. So Maldives show different patterns of the emission sector contributions from the rest of South Asia because agriculture plays a very small part in its economy. And if we look on the country level, the nitrous oxide emission followed the order of India, then Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Nepal. If we see the nitrous oxide emissions in South Asia from fuel combustion only, it varied from 24 to 61 gigagrams of nitrogen per year during 1960 to 2018, exhibiting a net gain of 146% in time. And lastly, if we look on the ammonia emissions, they are directly linked with the fertilizer application and livestock manures, with South Asia being a global hotspot. And India, again, the major contributor to ammonia emission in the region on a per capita basis, Bhutan, Nepal, Pakistan have higher emissions and Maldives with limited agricultural sector has much lower levels. So there was a 36% increase in ammonia emission in South Asia region from 2000 to 2015, just 15 years. So highest increase in ammonia emission were in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Maldives with the lowest increase in Sri Lanka. And again, the major source is agriculture. In the South Asia, except in Maldives and Bhutan, where consumption of biomass and fossil fuels in the residential and the commercial or institutional settings is a major estimated source. 
That's a really detailed answer, Professor Tarek. And I think we are learning so much about reactive nitrogen and its environmental impact. You already explained so well. These facts about increase in the reactive nitrogen emissions, and particularly I can talk about ammonia. I think we really don't know exactly how much ammonia has been increased exact number because of the measurement. We don't have a good number of measurement to really say that. But yes, we have a rough estimate about that. And again, just like carbon, if we think about the per capita emissions, there will be different order of emissions from different country and across the world. Talking about carbon, I also wanted to ask the next question that do you think the excess nitrogen also have some linkage to climate change? Please explain in South Asia context. The simple answer to this question is yes. Nitrogen has direct linkage to the climate change. But often when you hear the word climate change, we just think about carbon. So nitrogenous gases, particularly nitrous oxide, play an important role in global climate change. Nitrous oxide is actually a particularly potent greenhouse gas as it is over 300 times more effective at trapping heat in the atmosphere than carbon dioxide. So United Nations Environment Program recognized this reactive nitrogen as one of the emerging threats to the planet in its Frontiers 2018-19 report. So at mid-altitudes, each molecule of nitrous oxide absorbs about 200 times as much as outgoing radiation as carbon dioxide. So one factor of the climate change, at very high altitudes, it destroys ozone. In the stratosphere, ultraviolet lights break this nitrous oxide molecule apart, producing nitric oxide, which in turn acts as a catalyst to break down ozone. So destroying ozone in the stratosphere, of course, allows more ultraviolet light to reach Earth's surface and worsen the greenhouse effect. So effect of nitrous oxide can persist for decades with a resistance time of 120 years in the atmosphere. And if we look on the South Asia context, it is one of the most vulnerable regions to the climate change. Its people are living through a new climate normal. where intensifying uh, heat waves, cyclones, droughts, and floods are testing the limits of governments, businesses, and the citizens to adopt. So rising global temperatures and changing weather patterns have put forth the future of millions of children living in the climate vulnerable areas in South Asia at constant risk. Regarding the nitrogen pollution and its role in climate change in South Asia, as nitrous oxide is the major factor for climate change, South Asia is a hotspot for nitrous oxide emission, and uh, it makes up the major portion of the global emission, as I discussed previously. So nitrous oxide emissions in South Asia has increased by more than 100% from 1990 to 2017, mainly because of increased fertilizer consumption. And 36% increase was observed in the whole South Asia region in just 15 years. So main estimated source of uh, nitrous oxide emissions is from agriculture. So though the agriculture mainly dominates the region, economic activities are rapidly shifting towards industry and energy services that are taking front seat in nitrous oxide emissions now. So average nitrous oxide emission from fuel combustion in South Asia region is about 41 gigagrams of nitrogen per year, showing an increase of more than 100% in just uh, 1990 to 2017. And residential sector contributes a maximum emission of 14 gigagrams of nitrous oxide and if we see the power generation, it contributes 9.43 gigagrams of nitrous oxide emissions and exhibiting the major growth of 395% and followed by the road transport and industry. And overall, in the industrial sector, 5.3 gigagrams of nitrous oxide per year has been released. And again, if we see the country level, India, 
Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Nepal are on the orders for the nitrous oxide emissions. And of course, nitrous oxide is directly linked with the climate change. And South Asia is a hotspot for nitrous oxide emissions. So I think it is very much related to the impact of nitrogen on the climate change. Right. So now we know the problem. We know what is reactive nitrogen, what are the problems associated with it. So do we know anything about how we can manage it sustainably? I'm particularly interested to know about the concept of nitrogen neutrality and how do you see this in a global and South Asian context? The important question is how to manage it because the awareness about nitrogen pollution is there. Governments and various scientists organizations are working to spread awareness on nitrogen pollution. But now the question is how to manage it. The goal of nitrogen neutrality is for an entity to achieve zero net reactive nitrogen release into the environment. It is complex as it is both an essential input to guarantee agricultural production, yet it contributes to a cascade of negative effects through avoidable or unavoidable losses to the environment. So we cannot say that we will be nitrogen neutral, but we will try to decrease the losses uh, to sustain our environment. So different metrics can be used to quantify uh, the release of reactive nitrogen to the environment depending on the choices made with regard to the flows that are considered. Nitrogen flows after consumption, nitrogen emissions from the land use change, nitrogen emissions from the soils. So the concept of nitrogen footprints is very relevant, which is recently been proposed as a communication tool. So nitrogen footprint is defined as the total amount of nitrogen released to the environment as a result of an entity's consumption patterns. And estimates of nitrogen footprints for a number of countries are now available or being developed. So this is a good sign that we are working on it. So neutrality describes a way to compensate the nitrogen footprint that could not be reduced by any of the mitigation measures. As this concept is relatively new to nitrogen footprints, which have been largely calculated for the various countries, but neutrality of nitrogen is an effective tool. It offers an opportunity for South Asian region where food waste on various events like religious events, crop residue burning are the leading nitrogen sources and nitrogen losses can be quantified and compensated. So if South Asian countries adopt the nitrogen neutrality and allows the compensation of these reactive nitrogen releases and the region can encompass a reduction of nitrogen loss leading to sustainable food, energy and land resources. The question is what can be done the first decrease the release of reactive nitrogen into the environment. It may be done by reducing overconsumption of food and reducing food waste and minimizing the energy consumption and choosing sustainable source of energy and food. And then to contribute to a measured compensation of the remaining nitrogen release by a measured reduction of release elsewhere to balance the remaining releases and increase sustainability in the production of food where sustainable land management is not yet achieved. So these measures can be done. And sustainable land management with respect to nitrogen neutrality is a farming system which minimizes the ecological footprint of farming products, inclusive of the carbon footprints, nitrogen footprints, water footprints. And it keeps the farmland in good environmental conditions. It satisfies human food needs and enables the farm workers and their families to decent living standards. So we should go on sustainable land management. There are measures to decouple the availability of food and energy from environmental threats linked to release of reactive nitrogen include improved full chain nitrogen use efficiency. 
So potential intervention points occur at all stages of the supply chain from crop and the animal production over food supply to the consumer. So also efficiency can be improved by reducing and are reusing biomass streams in the form of manure, food waste and sewage. So cycle consumption patterns of both energy and food plays a crucial role in this portfolio. So suggestions focus on reduction of animal protein consumption and the substitution of protein sources as animal production system is less efficient in nitrogen. So the changes in the dietary pattern would also help in sustaining the agriculture system. So at the same time, the tools are being developed to communicate to consumers the connection between high nitrogen use in agriculture and the consumption or the wastage of large quantities of protein-rich products. And sensible utilization of the fertilizer are reducing the fertilizer by improving nitrogen use efficiency. We cannot reduce nitrogen inputs, particularly in developing countries, because we have to produce more food. But if we increase the nitrogen use efficiency, we can reduce the nitrogen inputs. Ultimately, we can go towards nitrogen neutrality. Right. So until now, I think we all know that there has been an increase in the awareness about nitrogen and related cascading impacts due to continuously evolving research in the field and some international and regional level program. I'm aware of the International Nitrogen Initiative, International Nitrogen Management System, INMS, as you also mentioned, and South Asian Nitrogen Hub, SANH. And these programs played a very important role in initiating the discussion on sustainable nitrogen management and mitigating the nitrogen pollution. You're closely associated with these programs, and we would really like to know about these initiatives taken from these programs and how they are contributing at global and regional levels in managing the nitrogen sustainably. As uh, I discussed earlier, that uh, nitrogen is linked to almost all of the 17 uh, sustainable development goals. Still, it is missing on the actions or agenda for these goals. There is immediate need to highlight the impacts of nitrogen pollution and the benefits of sustainable nitrogen management. And South Asia has been proactive in recognizing nitrogen issues in the last two decades in parallel to the global developments on sustainable nitrogen management. Several initiatives have taken place in the South Asia to tackle nitrogen pollution. Early actions include the establishment of South Asia Nitrogen Center of the International Nitrogen Initiative in 2008. And in 2010, the INI Delhi Declaration on Reactive Nitrogen Management for Sustainable Development was adopted as one of the several initiatives to promote an extensive partnership on reactive nitrogen research and policy, the South Asia Nitrogen Hub, which is funded by the UK Research and Innovation under the Global Challenge Research Fund, was established in 2019. This hub brought together 40 institutions from all eight South Asia countries and from the UK. And in March 2019, the Resolution on Sustainable Nitrogen Management was adopted at the 4th UN Environment Assembly, submitted under the leadership of India. Spearheaded by the Sri Lanka in October 2019, the Colombo Declaration was adopted by a group of member states with an ambition to halve nitrogen waste by 2030. An initiative of Nitrogen for Net Zero is a developing initiative among UN member states in the South Asia to highlight the necessity of sustainable nitrogen management to meet climate goals. And uh, on this World Environment Day 2021, a webinar was conducted, hosted by Government of Pakistan, my university, University of Agriculture, Faisalabad, and United Nations Environment 
program with SANH, INMS, and INI on board. About 800 participants around the globe participated in the webinar, and the deputy executive director of the UNEP also shared her message highlighting the importance of sustainable nitrogen management for ecosystem restoration as the theme for World Environment Day was ecosystem restoration. So recently, the United Nations Environment Assembly 5 in 2021 has also adopted a resolution on sustainable nitrogen management. And these programs, these initiatives, which are being taken by these different groups, are consistently highlighting the growing importance of reactive nitrogen through scientific collaborations, science dissemination, policy messages, and stakeholder engagement with the governments, the United Nations, the civil society, and the fertilizer industry. There is adequate scientific capacity in the region, in the South Asian region particularly, to support evidence-based policy interventions. And if necessary, the INI, INMS, and the other such initiatives can supplement it with their international scientific expertise to realize the full potential for South Asian leadership towards sustainable nitrogen management, both regionally and globally. So similarly, on December 18, 2020, the Convention of Long-Range Transboundary Air Pollution has adopted a guidance document on integrated sustainable nitrogen management. So nitrogen management should be integrated within existing environmental policies, such as those focused on climate change, combating hunger, and protecting biodiversity. And emphasizing the reduction of nitrous oxide emissions will be essential if the world is to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions and that this will in turn necessitate the international action to foster change in the way that humans manage all nitrogen resources and forms of nitrogen pollution, including the indirect effects of reactive nitrogen compounds on nitrous oxide and the other greenhouse gas emissions. So I think these initiatives are well in time and the governments and various UN entities are taking serious attention towards the nitrogen pollution. I want to add a bit more on nitrogen education because in South Asian Nitrogen Hub, we are working on nitrogen education and we have developed a very basic course, Nitrogen, a Global Challenge. It is totally free and anyone can enroll. It is available on the website of INMS as well as South Asian Nitrogen Hub. And it is available in eight different languages, means uh, Urdu, Hindi, in Bangladesh language, in Sri Lanka language. This course was produced to spread awareness in the masses because we want to reach to the end users, to the local community, to the farming community. That's great. We are recognizing and also reacting nitrogen getting enough required attention from UN as well. And then I would like to thank you, Dr. Tariq Aziz, for your time and giving this detailed yet very introductory information to our broad audience. I'm sure from this episode, people will start thinking more about nitrogen and will be curious enough to see what reactive nitrogen and how we can reduce our reactive nitrogen emissions. Thank you, Dr. Tariq Aziz. Thank you very much, Somia, and also Shahzad for arranging this wonderful discussion. Thank you very much. With that, I would like to thank our guest, Dr. Tariq Aziz, and our interviewer, Dr. Somya Singh, for joining us on this episode of Atmospheric Tales. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and share.